Good morning and welcome back to another Irish Health Hour podcast. On the podcast today, I'm delighted to be joined by a very well-known lady in Ireland. Bibi Baskin, you're welcome. Thank you very much indeed, Dolores. Lovely to be here. Now, didn't you know I really put, had a very short introduction there? But you know, Bibi is someone that really was a household name in Ireland. Uh, she was the first woman to have her own Chacho on RTE. And I mentioned to my sister this morning, I was interviewing her and Jackie, I know you're going to be watching, even said, gosh, I used to love her. Not that she still doesn't. So that's, I think, you know, you had an impact on the women in Ireland, and in Ireland in general, but you had an impact because you were a broadcaster. So Bibi, I'd love you to, you know, maybe chat to us first about, about those days and the fact that you actually have this, you know, you're quite iconic to us in Ireland. No, no, no. Listen, cut out half of that old nonsense, Dolores. But it's true, is, girl. <laughs> you know, what age was I then? I was in my late 30s, going into my 40s. And you know what it's like at that age. You're, you're working to pay the mortgage, pay the ESB bill, and have a bit over for a couple of weeks in the Canaries, maybe for a bit of crack. And there's not much more to it than that. Now, as for this so-called, <laughs> you're very kindly saying, iconic status, not at all. I had no idea. In fact, I only discovered a couple of years ago uh, when somebody who interviewed me said it to me that I was the first woman in Ireland to have a live TV chat show for own. Never dawned on me. It wasn't about that. It was just about going in and doing the best you can and, and getting a bit of an income. By the way, on that note, can I just say, no, I never belonged to the huge salaried presenters. Uh, mine was much more modest. Yeah, and you know what though, but you know, we might feel that about ourselves that, you know, oh, we're just, oh, I'm just doing this TV show. But you know, a lot of women really admire who they watch on television. And especially I think because you didn't have this, you know, oh, look at me, I am who I am, I'm the first woman. But that's authenticity, isn't it? And I, authenticity oozes from someone when they are coming from that place. And I think that's why people admired you so much and listened to you in those days? I wasn't really aware of the listening to I was aware of the fact very much that I was kind of well known. And I didn't particularly like that aspect, yeah. aspect of it at all. I'm much older now and I really couldn't give a damn. But at that stage, you know, you felt it was intrusive and, and, and it wasn't an important thing in your life. Uh, but you didn't really think like that. You just enjoyed the fact that you were meeting all these different people who in their own way were all very interesting and it was a a living. Yes, absolutely. And you know, you, one thing that I, I love to hear you talk about is change because I know you were at an event in Galway last September and change was the, the topic that you talked about. So you say quite openly that you get bored and when you get bored, you want change. And that is phenomenal. There again, you know, people often, I'm sure, go, and especially women, uh, you know, especially if we have, not all women, I know, but, you know, let's say you've left, you've left your job, maybe you've been having a part-time job, you know, doing the two. But there comes a, a time when your children fly the nest and they don't need you as much. And those little yearnings can be creeping up inside you, you know, a yearning for change. Can you tell us and maybe inspire us a little as to how change has come to you and you've just you've gone with it you've leapt off mountains and you you just you just did 
Well, that's one way of putting it, I suppose. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Dolores, when you say that I do get bored. And when I get bored, I move, I change, I try something else. And those big uh, challenges, I suppose, would have been uh, giving up the job in RTE, going to work for ITV in London, and then going into radio with the BBC and all their stations in London and staying there for five years. And then leaving that and going to India for a three week holiday and staying for 15 years and change again because I became a hotelier there. So yeah, I welcome that change. And in the motivational talks that I give now around the country, that's uh, one of the most popular ones. It's where I'm hoping I can motivate people and women in particular mm -hmm. to take that risk and to take the chance and not to be fearful of it. Because you see, I think it's the fear element that holds us all back. And when I started that hotel in India, I had no clue if I would succeed or fail. But the trick was, I didn't honestly care. And just to anyone watching and listening today, I'd say, know this about failure. Failure is not the end of the world, not at all. But for many people, they think it is, and therefore they think, oh, I'm not going there. I'm not gonna try that. That's an awful pity. I say, get out there and take the chance because you just never know how well it could work out. And that is inspirational to hear. And I know that you also, I read in an article that you, you wrote, or you were interviewed a few years ago, and you said you were surprised when you came back to Ireland and you found that a lot of women in Ireland, especially maybe middle-aged women, that you thought that we maybe should have or could have because there's so much there for us now, which wasn't there in place maybe when you, before you left. That's very true, but also um, if you put this in the context, I was coming from a developing country backward, uh, background. I had spent 15 years in India. And when I compared the status and the plight of Indian women, and especially the women I employed, because I made sure to employ a lot more women than the average hotel over there. Uh, and mine's only a small place anyway, but there were a lot of women working there. Uh, I, when I compared the plight of Irish women, I mean, there's just no comparison. And yet I find they were lacking in confidence. Mm -hmm. And I would go into these rooms to give the motivational talk. And what I would perceive would be a group of middle-aged, probably middle-class, educated women with big fancy cars outside. And they were scared. And I thought, oh man, you have so little to be scared about. So that encouraged me to go on giving these motivational talks, which I still do, as you know. Yeah, and that is great because, you know, there is a perception like that. And I'm, like, I find that as well. I, I mentioned it to you, you know, I'm a coach. And that, that age group is, is the type of women I work with too because I've had my own journey of finding my voice. And, you know, it's just, it's been a journey. And I think a lot of it too can be societal. You know, it's not just um, we, just, we decide to be this way. You know, it, I think we're, we're making great strides and you know, to have someone then to motivate us and to listen to more inspirational talks and what you also said in the same article was if you go to an inspirational talk take notes take it on board because we need to have the action rather than just the listening because we do forget about the wonderful the wonderful words we heard bb say or whoever <laughs> <laughs> absolutely in fact it was only last week um, excuse me <clears throat> It was only last week that my sister was saying, 
that little book of quotes that you published there before Christmas, it's lovely, but I can't remember any of them. And I said to her, read the preface, read the foreword. I said, you have to treat them like homework. When you were at school, you take one quote or one piece of learning, and as you say, Dolores, write it down, and then stick it above the electric kettle. And every time you go to make the copper, you'll see it and learn it off. It really is like school. I find that system works for me. I know it's a bit simple, but hey, whatever works, it's fine. You know what? The simple things are the better. You know, we can we can go on and we can we can get the most um, difficult, fancy things we can, and we can maybe sometimes we have a habit of going for something that's the dearest or whatever because we think somebody told us we should, we have to do that. This is how we have to go. But going back to basics, really, I mean, it's the it's the internal work that those those quotes stir inside of us. The words are energy and they stir the energy inside of us. And especially the ones that trigger us the most, I think, will be the ones that uh, we can we can realise that we have the most work to do on ourselves. Actually, do you have your book there? I'm putting you on the spot. Do you have your little inspiration? No. That's no, okay. Room, but don't worry. It's, you, listen, you'll find me on the internet. I mean, on Twitter and Facebook and all yes. of that. And uh, it's just called BB's Wellness Wisdom. Yeah, it's only a pocketbook. And I don't know Pocketbook is great because we can carry that with us anywhere we go. <laughs> you see, that's the whole purpose. I mean, I've done so much long haul flights that I'm an inveterate light traveler at this stage. And God be with the days when you go to the airport, time on your hands, and, and you go into the bookshop and buy three for the price of two. No, you have to carry them then. So I like light books, and mine is that. Love it, love it. <laughs> so also, Bibi, one thing I want to talk to you about is um, your love, obviously, of health has been woven into all of your, your, especially when you went off to India and you actually had been, you'd been looking at Ayurvedic studies before you went to India. So can you take us on a little journey as to how this journey with food as well and, and the whole Ayurvedic system of wellness has, have, have had a wellness how now playing out in some of the things that you're actually offering? Well, now, first of all, just to, just to set the scene accurately, I'm not one of these health freaks, you know. If you want to live a, a wonderful Ayurvedic lifestyle, you better go up and live in a hut in the side of the Himalayas or Himalayas and wear a loincloth, you know. And, and like John the Baptist, eat locusts and wild honey. Not at all. Have your gin and tonic, have your glass of wine, but put some goodness back in. And that was the advice that I got from an Irish GP who also introduced me to Chinese medicine and uh, Ayurveda all those Lucky years you. ago. Lucky you, I'd say, there at the beginning that you had a GP in Ireland that said that to you. <laughs> it was unbelievable, unbelievable. And that's where the whole study of Ayurveda started for me. Uh, and I, I uh, love the psychology that's in it more than, more than the medical stuff. I love the fact that it divides us all up into just three mind-body types. And once you isolate your type, you will know which food to eat and which to avoid. And you'll also know a lot about your personality, how your mind works, your sleep pattern, your emotions. The whole caboose is there. And that's why I have found it to be so helpful, because it helps you to understand yourself and the way you behave the way you do. And it helps you to understand those around you and even your colleagues and your clients. It's a great old tool of psychology. It sure is, and I know that I um, I have, <coughs> excuse me, dipped in it to a tiny bit as well. 
and I know that I'm the fiery personality, <laughs> but like that too, fiery, like salty foods don't agree with me because my face goes all red. And, you know, I'm prone to, I'm very reactive person to situations. I'm not one of these people that, mm, let me think about that. So my personality is that way. And I found it fascinating when I realized that. Yes. And when you, when you get hungry, I bet you get ratty. Oh my God. <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> I know because I know that type. And you know how I know it so well? Lava sewers. Okay. <laughs> but the good news, and I don't know if your study got you to this point or not. The good news is that we're born with that kind of DNA, we can call it, with those characteristics. But we can work on ourselves to get past that stage one, to get on to stage two. So in other words, if you know that you get ratty when you get hungry, you just make damn sure you carry a biscuit or a bar with you all the time. And then when you do start to feel the pangs, you think, okay, I'm not going to get into bad humor. And you take control of the situation. That's stage two. Yeah. We'll give you a gentle push in that direction if you need it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I do, I think people, laugh at me. I was on a training course last Friday and I actually brought a big green juice with me and, and I don't drink green juices every day, but I always have to know when my next meal is coming. And I wasn't too sure what the story was about lunchtime, whether there was somewhere nearby. So I had my bag full and I have to, and people laugh at me, but I have to keep my metabolism <laughs> um, yep. in such a level that I, because I just actually get, and I start talking too much, you know, I go, Aah! because I, and I, I need to ground basically. I, yeah, it, it's a huge lifestyle for me that I have to mind. <laughs> Yeah, I can understand that. Wonderful. So now, BB, tell us a little bit more about, you know, you and you. I think you are letting this weed through. You have a little cookbook now. I know it's not the main thing, part of the cook, the part of the book. But oh, tell us yeah. The next book that you have coming out, because I love well, the, the way you've let the food weave its way through this as well. <laughs> yeah. Now it's very early days, and who knows? Um, but it came about in this way. God, sometimes there are things right under our noses and we don't see them. Yeah. Um, I do, when I cook, I like to cook Indian food. And way back there, maybe around November time, I was cooking some Indian food and I put out pictures on Twitter of the dish and a little story around it. And two people in particular responded and said, come on, you've got to publish this. Put it on the market for the next Christmas, 2020. And they were pushing me, not badgering me, but certainly sure. encouraging me. And the history of it is that when I was running the hotel, because of my interest in food, I would go into the kitchen sometimes with an exercise book and I would scribble down the recipes from the chefs. And the reason why it was scribbled is because you know any chef does not want another person in their kitchens. So I had to be quick. And I put an outpost note on it saying, my scribbly cookbook. I mean, it's so rough and ready, you wouldn't believe it. And almost illegible inside as well. But I decided that's going to be the title. That's my working title mm. for the moment. It's Bibi's Scribbly Cookbook. And it is naturally a collection of recipes from my part of India. But there's a story around each recipe. So it's part memoir and part life adventure and oh. part recipes. There you go. That's going to be some book. Hmm? book. God <laughs> only knows. I'm finding the discipline a bit difficult, to be honest with you, Dolores. You know, I, I now have to um, really focus and concentrate on the writing. So less time on social media, I find to be a great help. It's less distraction. Uh, but I'm still finding my pathway in this new discipline. 
and I'm not doing very good at the moment. Ah, oh, you know, but that's, you know, and you, we all have to find our pathway and what works. I mean, I, like, I probably would say I have to admit I met you on Twitter or through Twitter for sure, because I run an online business. So online is online. And I mean, I do get a bit of a grief from my, my family as well. Sometimes, you know, I'm saying I'm working, you know, try to tell a teenager to get off his phone and it's like, well, you're on yours. And I'm like, well, I'm on oh. Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you have no chance there. Yeah, no but you know, I think that you're like... Isn't it great that you put it out there, you know, through the medium that you know and that you, you use so well and that Twitter brought back the actual, I suppose it was like market research in a way that you didn't maybe mean to do. But I mean, who better to... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, but also I think Dolores at a personal level and, you know, people give out about social media and spending too much time on it and all of that. And, and that's partly true, of course. But it's also a great way to get to know people again because I found when I came back to Ireland, that people of my generation in the main were not on social media and we had lost contact because I was out of the country for 20 years and I wasn't very good at maintaining contact either, I suppose. Um, so I've got to know a whole new generation of people through social media. And if you consider where I'm living now in County Cork, when I moved here a couple of years ago, I knew only three people, three old friends from way back. And now I get lots of hellos and how are yous. <laughs> and I love that. And you are, you are back on television a lot, you know, and you have, you're on, you've been on radio. You did something with poetry there recently on, on radio, didn't you? With which? Did you do something with poetry? Oh, oh no, I know what you're thinking of, though. Oh, this was a big moment for me. That wonderful RT radio programme called Sandy Miscellany. It's yes. a collection of essays and music, no presenter, on a Sunday morning. And I believe that if you get a piece of writing accepted in that, you can write. And I made my debut a couple of weeks ago. Well done. I'm glad you thought it was poetry. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it meant a lot to me. It meant, especially now as I go into writing a, a book full time, um, it gave me a boost that maybe I can write after all. So that's a nice feeling. Very good and well done you. I must check that out. So Bibi, yeah. um, I suppose, how are you using all of your, your experiences to date and your, you know, your, your beliefs around helping people be more motivated and to avoid fear? How are you now bringing this to people? How are you packaging it so that people can learn from you? Uh, there are the, the wellness talks, mostly around change and motivation. And I give those talks to groups uh, different types. Let me think. Uh, I'm coming to Galway, yeah, International Women's Day. It's uh, by invitation only, but that'll be around. The, that's the one I mentioned. Uh, then I'm doing a talk in Cashel Library. Again, motivation around change. I think that's early March. And then I'm giving one in a college in Dublin sometime in March as well. So I go to different locations and different community groups and women's groups and schools and all of that sort of thing. That's one thing. The other thing that I'm attempting to start now, but I don't know if it's going to work, I'd like to write some uh, newspaper columns or articles on the subject of wellness. And I'm just putting out feelers now to see if there'll be any interest. So I'll have to report back to you on that one a little later on. Uh, and that's it on the wellness front primarily at this stage and that's enough to keep me going and i suppose in the scribbly cookbook there'll be a bit of wellness as well because i was in the heart of ayurveda when i lived in kerala that was where ayurveda began 
5,000 years ago. And of course, I had it in the hotel as well. And before you get jealous <laughs> and think, what? You had, I made it, and you could get it for free. It was useless because I'd be lying on the massage table and I'd say, oh my God, they put on the filter on that swimming pool. I can hear the sound, it's very noisy. And you couldn't relax at all. In other words, not on your own doorstep. You'd have to, to go away to fully get the benefits. Yeah. But yeah, wellness will still be there. I love it. It sounds great. So if people uh, want to follow your journey more, where are the best places that they can go to find you? Uh, well, you were saying that, yeah, they do dig me and trust me down with a fair bit of regularity uh, on television and, and radio. But I feel I'm doing less of that. I'm going into the writing cave, I call it, the writing cave more, and lessening my, my uh, presence on social media. But you'll get me there, and, and I'm always easy to find with an email, and there's a website, uh, bbbaskin.ie. Email is in there as well. So I'm, I'm available. I'm just a quieter. That's and that's fine. I mean, we do. And for writing, I know myself, I have a novel that I'm trying to get out there. And I keep saying next year, next year. But, you know, it's, it's written. It's edited once. And, you know, like that too. It's a, it's a huge journey, though. It's a, it's, a, it's a women's empowerment book. But it's also a chick flick. It's the two woven in one, <laughs> you know. But what are you these must, But why are you waiting? You must do it now. Yes, and I know you're right. It's like yourself. I need to go into a writing cave to do it. You know, I have two boys, which I'm blessed with, and um, yeah. I'm busy with other. Oh, yeah. You know, so I suppose it is about prioriti prioritizing. But you're right. Fair enough. You know, I think going back to your point about about the not the fear about changing. I'd love you just to kind of maybe finish on telling us a little bit more about change and your personal experiences with it that you maybe haven't. You know, is there anything else you'd like to, to leave us with, I suppose, around change, a bit more inspiration and motivation for us? <laughs> uh, well, I do think I'm going to do a repeat here because I think it is the most important aspect of change. And that is to have no fear of failure. That is the one break that people put on themselves. That's where it's sourced the fear that it might not work. Leave your fear behind because I believe that fear is like a big invisible hand that comes up and tries to throttle you at four in the morning when you can't get to sleep because you're worried about the change. There is no point in it. Have a go because remember, as I said there earlier, and I still think it's worth a repeat, failure is not the end of the world. And that's so true. Um, and getting into that mindset. So I presume that at these, when we can get hold of you back in Galway again, that we can, uh, and of course other parts of the country, uh, that if people go to your workshops, they'll get this sense of, of, I suppose, listening to your personal story about how you decided, made a, I suppose, to change, but didn't, yeah. have the, let, didn't let fear strangle you. You went ahead and did it anyway. Yeah, I usually use my own life as a kind of illustration. And you know, nice slides, and days in RTE, and then particularly the big change in India, and then the psychology that accompanied all of those moves. Yeah, so that's, I hope it works anyway. Yeah, I mean, but you're right about the psychology because it's, you know, regardless of whether we feel the fear and do it anyway, I mean, we will hit obstacles and we, there are times I'm sure in your life where you felt, oh my goodness, you know, uh, well, I know I do at times too, what am I doing? You know, and I need to get back on track again. And it's like, then when, when I, when you come into yourself, I suppose, and, and go back to maybe like being who you are, 
as in like looking at the, the Ayurvedic, like I need to be who I am. I, I don't need to be over there being the, the other type of person because it's not who I am. And when I'm trying to be somebody else or trying, pushing, pushing, pushing to be something that I'm not, it doesn't work for us. It doesn't work at all. And I think you have to expect that there'll be those little bumps on the road. I mean, that's just part of the human condition. I remember, for example, precisely at the moment we got our first guest in the hotel. It was a lovely couple from Sweden. The problem was our crockery hadn't arrived. So we had no cups and saucers or teapots or coffee pots, except a few bits and pieces that I had myself. And I remember walking around afterwards petrified, and I saw this waiter coming towards me with my grand aunt Annie's EPNS teapot that probably hadn't been washed or scoured since she died years ago. And I was petrified, petrified. So yeah, you'll have those moments in, in any life, and, and they'll come at you from all sorts of angles, but they do pass. That's another thing. Yeah, and I suppose resilience, I mean, I'm sure that that's something that you have really, um, you're, you've really developed your resilience muscle, I would say, especially with going to a different country uh, and, and having a completely different culture to deal with and to, to live in. Didn't take a flinch out of me. Wow. And sometimes, yeah, <laughs> people will say, what? I mean, you're a woman and, you know, in developing countries, women's status is not always on a par with us here. And you went alone and you were 50. My God, were you off your rocker. You didn't take a flinch. No. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to hear. Bibi, thank you so much for uh, sharing your inspirational story with us because it is inspirational. I mentioned, I said at the beginning, you know, people do look up to you and they will listen to you because you have an authenticity that just oozes from you. We know you're authentic because you are authentic. You can't hide that when someone speaks so openly and you know, what you're doing is lovely. I love the scribbly. I hope you never change the title of that book. It's wonderful. Yeah. And you can bring all your experiences together for people in a little pocketbook they can bring anywhere. Yeah, somebody suggested to me, why don't you call it Bibi's Indian Cookbook? I said, no, not at all. And I put it out there on Twitter and asked a few people, what do you think? Everybody went for the scribbly. Yeah. So it's scribbly it is. Scribbly it is. <laughs> well, yeah. I can't wait to share the interview. And also I will put a link to where people can get your book. Your, your inspirational quote book? Well, yeah, that is not in your local bookshop, uh, but we have someone here in our publisher's office who deals with it, and uh, I can send you that information if you so wish. That would be lovely. Do please, and I'll put it, on, I'll put it uh, with this interview, and we can't wait to see more of Vivi Baskin. Yeah, Thank you. That's so very kind. Thank you, Dolores. Slán. Slán.